Hello and happy Monday, my friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another super informative episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we discuss topics across the Cisco portfolio to give you the insights you want and hopefully need. Today, my friends, we are talking about Cisco Service Mesh Manager, an extension of Intersight Kubernetes service, and specifically how it can help you manage complex multi-cluster applications and services across any cloud at any time and from anywhere. And to help us uncover the goods and drive the conversation, we have Cisco champions Dan, Joe, and Nir, and we also have Cisco subject matter expert Justin here with us today. Let's get to know them a bit more. Justin, we're going to start with you. Can you tell us more about what you do at Cisco? Sure. Uh, I am a technical uh, marketing engineer in the office of the CTO for our cloud and compute business unit. So I uh, cover all of the Intersight portfolio looking more longer term, 12, 24, 36 months out, who we should be partnering with, uh, what technologies we should maybe potentially build or acquire, uh, and how that may play into the rest of our portfolio. Been with Cisco for about six years. Um, covered different roles from the sales side and now to the business entity itself, which has uh, been quite a journey. Well, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you. Okay, now on to our host. We're going to go in alphabetical order. I always go in alphabetical order. Um, Dan, tell us about you. What do you do? Hi, I'm Dan Kelcher. I am a enterprise network and cybersecurity solution architect with Meridian IT. Um been working in the the industry for near 20 years now a lot of experience in the the UCS and data center space so looking forward to the conversation all right Joe what do you do howdy y'all Joe Hughes here I'm a senior solutions architect at pure storage focused on flash stack so we've got integration with Cisco UCS and Cisco Nexus MDS and uh, pure storage backing all of that longtime data center geek and UCS nerd Great. And Mir, last but not least, who are you? Yes, thank you very much. I am Mir Hossein Mirosami, a VP in Morgan Stanley for uh, DevSecOps and Cloud Security and Networking. And I apologize for my crazy dogs. They started barking in a very bad moment. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> it happens. All right. Okay. So, Justin, we're going to kick it back to you. Before the champs kick off the discussion, is there anything you'd like to share um, to help lay the foundation for our conversation? Sure. So, um, you know, we brought a few new tools to market uh, within our Intersight portfolio. When we think about Intersight as a platform, it's really laying the framework for us being able to enable other services. Initially, we brought services such as, you know, infrastructure management and UCS. But now we've started to enable additional services in things like Intersight Kubernetes Service, which is a curated Kubernetes stack delivered from the cloud really any to any location that you want. And then on top of that, we're adding additional Kubernetes services such as Service Mesh Manager. So when you think about how do I get the network visibility, the application visibility um, that my users are come to expect with traditional Cisco ne- networking technologies in a environment where I have very ephemeral uh, targets such as containers, that's where Service Mesh Manager starts to bring the value. Now, Service Mesh Manager is a managed Istio instance. So we take upstream Istio, we add um, some visibility tools, some some more operational tools to help enable uh, customers to operationalize it better. Things like upgrade become simpler, uh, visibility and contextual awareness around the platform become simpler. 
but ultimately we're leveraging upstream Istio. So for customers that are using Istio today, we can take those same configurations and bring them into Service Mesh Manager. So from that, you you kind of mentioned Intersight and all the the path. Um, can you kind of work through? So SMM is built on IKS, is built on Intersight, is at least was built on UCS. What are the requirements to actually get to SMM? Sure. So uh, Intersight was initially built as the you know next evolution of uh, infrastructure management, specifically around UCS, and it's evolved to encompass other things such as you know Pure, as, as Joe may know. But um, it's also you know how do we enable other services that may not be hardware specific or may not require any hardware. And so we're starting to decouple that and um, enable the ability to, say, procure uh, Intersight Kubernetes services without having UCS at all. So that gives us the ability to um, bring IKS to uh, non-Cisco infrastructure, uh, gives the ability to bring IKS to public cloud providers. And then additionally, for customers that may already have public cloud or other Kubernetes instances that were deployed by some third party or, or, or just vanilla upstream Kubernetes, we're bringing the ability to have provide or add adopted clusters, which now if I adopt a cluster and it's managed through Intersight, then I can deploy uh, these add-ons or extensions like Service Mesh Manager on top of it. So kind of separating all of the components that you may have seen in the past and um, enabling customers to to adopt the technologies that they need for their environment. So if I don't have any Cisco hardware and I, I'm not running IKS, the vision is that I can say I want to adopt that cluster uh, as part of my management stack, let Intersight manage it and deploy add-ons, uh, and Service Mesh Manager being the first one, that is uh, uh, available for lifecycle management and, and, and de- deployment wherever it needs to go to. So at release, um, what sorts of Kubernetes clusters are going to be covered? And then for anything, particularly major cloud providers, um, you know, when are those coming in the future? So the initial uh, target is IKS clusters. So um, if you have IKS or you are interested in IKS, that's the target for Service Mesh Manager at release. We GA'd um, a couple weeks ago, uh, December, early December, December 3rd, uh, depending on when you listen to this podcast, December 3rd, 2021. Um, but we, we're looking to enable additional clusters in the very near future. And really what Service Mesh Manager accomplished for us was a couple of things. One, it, yes, it brought an extension that provides value to the customers, right? Customers that are looking at containerized environments in single clusters or multi-clusters, um, that's the first thing. But the second thing is it also gave us a framework for how we deliver those. It's more than just uh, going to grab a Helm chart and deploying to a cluster to make it operational. And so what we're doing is, or to make that service operational, so what we're doing is we've built a delivery mechanism to not only do that initial deployment, that sort of sort of curated stack of, uh, of some application uh, or service, but we're also providing the lifecycle management and the, the, the framework to be able to build in policy what um, or how you want to define it. And that gives us this s- sort of separation that we just talked about a moment ago from the underlying hardware requirements. And now I can just say, I want to adopt AKS or I want to adopt EKS and then push Service Mesh Manager to it. And, and that's going to happen in the very near future. The, the, the framework is there. Now it's just a matter of enabling some of the um, services that we need in the back end to support it. And I would expect it to be Q1 calendar year 22. Uh, Justin, one quick question that actually is kind of like 
talking about DevOps and consuming this DevOps-based service, you know, they say that API is the new English, right? So, uh, they. So m- my question is, if I am a, like a five hundred fortune company or or whatever that I wanna have a kind of a cloud agnostic approach and a strategy, um, am I still able to consume this service over like Terraform? And is there like a Terraform service provider for that, or uh, if I can make my homemade API? Uh, uh, platform for that. Uh, can you allow, elaborate a little bit more on that, please? So Intersight is um, an API-driven platform. It's API first. Everything that's done is done via API. Whether you're clicking a button in the GUI, it's still driven via the API as most cloud-native technologies have been have been uh, built on. But we also have, with that, uh, auto-generated APIs or auto-generated providers for Terraform, um, playbooks for Ansible, uh, SDK for PowerShell. So really... You, and then you could build your own uh, as it's published. Uh, so really, you have the ability to, to consume it how you want. And and I think there's probably going to be consumption uh, differently from different types of personas. If you think about, you know, dev- developers, they're going to want to consume it, as you just described, more API-driven or, or in cloud-native, uh, like, infrastructure as code with Terraform. Uh, whereas traditional infrastructure teams may just want to consume it uh, I'm sorry, consume it via ClickOps or you know, maybe they have Ansible or something they're, they're running to support their infrastructure. Um, they can consume it that way too. And there's really no right or wrong. I think it's just more of what you're comfortable with. So as you talk through the kind of the different roles that, that are going to be consuming this, uh, from an SMM standpoint, is there uh, is this primarily something that you're going to be using to, to view what's happening? Are you... Are you going in and actually making changes? And then I guess the, the follow on to that is if you can go in and start making changes to the flow of traffic, is this something where you can have role based controls where this group can do these things, that group can do those things? Sure. So the the first question is really, I think, driven towards um, what persona is, is adopting this. And, and maybe you have a persona that is a network engineer who doesn't necessarily understand how the flow of traffic for my application should work, but they need to get visibility into uh, potential problems, right? First, have the first right of denial or whatever. It's not my fault, that kind of mentality. So <clears throat> being able to provide a, a read-only role is something that uh, would be available. Additionally, if uh, you have developers that are building their apps and making sh- making new, new uh services within their application, new versions of those services, they need to be able to maybe consume it um, via the, just just how they would do normal normal uh, Kubernetes management via YAML or whatnot. That can also uh, be, be leveraged that way by that persona. You may also have another persona that um, from the SRE side who, who are looking at more SLOs and SLIs. So how's my application performing against metrics that we've set? And when we talk about, you know, SLOs and SLIs, they often re- roll up to SLAs, which are, you know, more financial penalties. But we're looking at the, that they can consume it via either scenario. GUI, they can make changes if they want to, if they like the visualization better, maybe they do, or if they just uh, want to br- bring it into their DevOps um, or their the developer pipeline, they could deploy it via the developer pipeline as well. So Justin, with the desire for pulling a lot of this into the pipeline and giving visibility to the traditional network teams, right? And some of the teams that are focused on the applications or the cloud native uh, portion of, of what's going on here. 
is there anything that actually takes um, information back from ServiceMess Manager and actually gives it to the developers in something like App Dynamics that they might be more um, interested in seeing as changes go through? How does it come back and affect the application uh, end to end? Yeah. So when we when we start talking about um, things like that, we really get into the full full stack observability, um, and and that's one of the things we've been driving towards at Cisco for quite some time. How do I have this feedback loop from my infrastructure to my, you know, maybe software layer up to my customer experience. And so you have really that three components here to be able to provide that. And, and the fourth, maybe externally, how do I see how the actual world views my application? Uh, and, and so, you know, full spe- full stack observability in our world um, is building towards that endless feedback loop. And there is, there is work being done to say, take, metrics from um, uh, service mesh manager feed those into uh, app dynamics that that has a uh, uh, viable or actionable information that can make uh, an application developer make changes based upon that whether that's problems uh, that's one way right slos get violated why maybe it's an application problem uh, also customer experience where i can potentially take uh, like a canary deployment which is a a deployment where I feed a, a, a measured amount of traffic uh, to it over time. So like I take uh, 10% of my traffic and feed it to a different version. And maybe our, our outcome is hopefully that version is, um, you know, a better customer experience, which leads to maybe more transactions or a higher resale or whatever, whatever we're trying to target. If we, if we can get those metrics fed back from app dynamics back into service mesh manager, now we can, you know, increase that load based upon that. So if, if our if we build a new version of our application uh, or our, our service and we deploy it and we send 10% of our traffic to it and uh, that our experience it based on app dynamics is that that's a positive, now we can maybe push 20% automatically, right? And we can slowly roll over to that. And so our development feedback loop is much higher, um, because we're able to, to do this automatically and we're able to feed information from one tool set to another. That's a great point. Actually, on top of that, um, since I'm myself an information security guy, on the security side, actually, when I was reading the document about IKS, it just vaguely wrote um, poly- security and policies and encryption. So, Justin, can you talk about a little bit on the security side, like, when it says encryption and the policies, what kind of encryption we're talking about, end-to-end encryption, and even when it comes to uh, regulatory standards, like is it like uh, you know uh, ISO certified and things like that, and also if you can touch base quickly on when we're talking about full stack visibility, if I wanna just pump my logs as as from the log and monitoring perspective to my SIM tool, is that uh, uh, straightforward? So I'll answer, that was, I think, three or four questions. Let me um, try and break that down a little bit. Um, so the first one is around security. I think more of an intersight as a whole. What what certifications has intersight achieved? Um, we we have uh, SOC 2, SOC 3 compliance. Um, you know, there's other work being done for some federal agencies, FedRAMP, et cetera, here in the United States uh, to, to provide additional security, uh, compartmentalized security, I guess you would say, in that world. But uh, we try and, and adhere to really standards in that in that realm. We've again achieved SOC two and SOC three, which is uh, pretty pretty stringent security requirements for cloud or SaaS based platform, and pretty standard um, in most cases. Uh, as for security in terms of what Service Mesh Manager is providing, you know, it is again 
managed Istio. So, um, uh, part of the Istio platform, part of service mesh in general is being able to encrypt traffic, uh, on the wire. And, you know, we do that with service mesh manager, just, just like you would with Istio through, uh, MTLS between the sidecars on each, each, in each pod. Um, that's, that's how it's done natively. Right. And then, uh, the second or third part of that question was, um, you have to refresh my memory. Logging and monitoring. Oh, logging and monitoring. Yes. Okay. So the backend, um, you know, leverages Prometheus, um, within, within, uh, service mesh manager. So there's plugins for Prometheus to send logs to, I, I won't say every, uh, external, uh, SIM or whatever, but, or, or logging platform, but most of them, uh, most of the prop popular ones for sure. For example, Splunk. Splunk, yeah. Splunk, uh, an external, you know, uh, Elasticsearch stack, right? I mean, uh, there's a lot of different ones, but Splunk, there's definitely plugins for Splunk. So let me, let me flip this back on you guys for a minute. Some of, some of you have uh, a background in, in cloud native and, and been dealing with it in, in, from different aspects. I, I would like to kind of understand your experience in um, how a service mesh may be able to help customers or help help people. Do you see do you see it being um, as exciting as we see it as being, or is this kind of a uh, well, yeah, you two kind of deal? I think for me, the big thing is is really when you started talking about like the the full stack observability, the ability to get a lot of data that historically i think we've had things have been very siloed and i mean you mentioned kind of the, you get to this finger pointing game of it's a network problem it's a storage problem it's an app problem and then you try to get like a bridge call and people are looking at all sorts of weird things and the, but there's always these gaps and you're trying to figure out where those gaps are to me the the big thing is being able to get that integration getting the the visibility across the board really no matter the if we're doing it via containers or whatever it is um you know app dynamics thousand eyes all this different stuff the visibility tools that we get to be able to communicate and and break down those silos that to me that's the big thing and then just i guess the the follow-on to that would be cloud native containers that's the direction things are going so as things are built with that observability from the essentially from the ground up that's going to hopefully help a lot of the problems that we're going to run into and, you know, speed time to resolution, all that good stuff. Yeah. To me, I think the, the real power for it and, and easing the deployment uh, for cloud native applications within traditional infrastructures comes with the fact that things like traffic management or policy, or especially security um, along with the observability really become a part of the application, right? It's not a it's not a separate um, rule set. It's not something that has to go through a security team and then a networking team to get back to the app deployment team um, or another team that's that's somewhere layered in the middle for for some other portion of the infrastructure, right? It can all be described and observed as part of the application itself. So it just makes it so much easier to um, either optimize communications or just make sure that everything stays in place as the application scales. Yeah, I think uh, on top of that. What uh, other guys also mentioned for me, what gives me really a rush here is what excites me about this technology is that it's kind of like, uh, as I mentioned, as far, as far as the cloud native applications are concerned, cloud agnostic. So you can have it on AKS or IKS, whatever. And also you can have it on a VM based container or a VM or met, uh, bare metal. And th this really, really, I think it stands out for me. Yeah, I think there are a couple of things that uh, were said there that's really, really important. And, and, um, 
you know, when you think about what is the problem that a service mesh is trying uh, to, to solve is it's, it's not a traditional application problem. And, and that you think about traditional applications where I have uh, many services in one VM or a couple of VMs that are load balanced and whatever. And, and those services talk to each other because they're in the same VM, right? It's very simple. It's, we can say they're secure. Um, there's no, there's no real requirement to, other than they live on the same VM. But when we start breaking those apart and saying that, say my login service lives on uh, one container where maybe my, um, you know, check caching service lives on another container and I have to have these, these, these services talk to each other. How do I start with that security policy? How do I start to make sure that communication is there? These are all ephemeral targets. So how do I, that traditional model of, this IP address on this port can't talk to this IP address on this port doesn't really play. And, and Joe, I think you highlighted it in terms of, um, you know, being able to define that in a policy is where we're moving to. And, and it's where we're seeing our, our asks and how do I enforce policy closer to the, you the, here, the shift left, right? Shift left for policy, because um, we want to give that ability to the developers. We want to say it's no longer the network, team's requirements or ops or uh, responsibility to enforce that policy because they really can't it's really it's really hard right really difficult for them to even remotely think about how to do that and we bring it to the developer who says i don't trust anything but what i tell it can trust right the zero trust into the application and that's what service mesh is driving towards just giving one that ability to build that in policy but two uh, it's also giving us that visibility. So now we now we do have these metrics. We do have these services. We have logging. We have monitoring. We have all these services that, again, thinking back to the traditional application, were all built in one VM. And we didn't have to have different logging services for each service. We just had a logging service. Now we have you know hundreds or thousands of services that are talking amongst each other, and I need to correlate logs. Wow, how do I do that? And, and how do I make sure that my logging policies and the things that I need to um, make sure are being logged are actually done in the right manner without, you know, having this really sprawl of configuration tools. And that's something I think that that service mesh manager or service mesh in general, but but service mesh manager aims to bring operationally to, to customers. So with SMM from a, a deployment standpoint, if you already have an IKS environment up and running and you've got your your containers and everything that's built. If you wanted to get service mesh, man service mesh manager running, is that something where you have to fire up SMM, rebuild the entire environment, or is it able to essentially ingest the existing environment and and learn the topology? Um, so it works. Uh, yes, the answer is yes. It, you you can um, uh, build a policy in Intersight, so it's, it's called an add-on policy, and attach that policy to whatever one or two, however many clusters you want. And we'll deploy Service Mesh Manager onto it, which is the framework, right? Service Mesh Manager is the application that it's Istio. It's Istio. It's all of the uh, logging uh, bits with it. And then the the steps really, if you already have an application on top of that, would be there needs to be a um, a restart of the pods. So uh, and, and primarily because we have to inject a sidecar, right? So there is no sidecar. We have an application running. We would do some type of rolling. Uh, restart of the pods, which would in, in turn Kubernetes, the work, the uh, uh, scheduler would handle that process. So really there'd be no downtime. It would just be a matter of the pods restarting 
with sidecars. And once that's taken place, then yes, service mesh manager learns uh, everything going on. There's no real uh, user interaction. What, what user interaction would be is, okay, I need to define what my service level objectives are. I need to uh, set up if I'm going to any kind of monitoring or lo um, external logging uh, to some, you know, Splunk or whatever, those types of things would need to be done. But other than that, um, it would be pretty, pretty automatic. So Justin, within the security space, if briefly you can touch base also on the identity and access management, uh, that would be great. Like aiding integration and what would I get out of the box? Um, yeah. So, you know, this is an area that's been a hot topic in, in my uh, fight for, for more, more type of IAM services and, um, you know, giving you that granular control within IKS. And today it's, it's really kind of limited. Um, we have some roadmap items on bringing, uh, well, I say it's limited and I, and I caveat that with, um, IKS is built on upstream Kubernetes. So if you want to bring in something like Dex or Keycloak to provide integration to, you know, uh, like a OIDC provider like like uh, AD or or whatever, you can. There's nothing stopping you from doing it. We support it 100%. We just don't do it out of the box. The ask is really how do we evolve our security posture into absorbing roles and IAM policies that may be an intersight so that you really have one place to build that policy and then push them down to IKS. That's what we're driving towards. We're just not there. So today, you know, you can bring in Dex or Keycloak or whatever, tie it in with your OIDC provider, and that works because it is upstream Kubernetes. The future is that we do that for you automatically and we tie it in with Intersight as that OIDC provider and then ultimately, you can build policies for users or really granular control uh, in one place and then push it to one, ten, hundred thousand clusters, however you want to do that. Awesome. Thanks. So, Justin, getting a little bit into the underlying Istio that's actually getting um, managed within these environments, can you talk about um, at GA where you guys are at as far as releases and how Istio releases are going to get handled and rolled into IKS? And then just as people are looking to get this deployed um, and especially looking at, at going past um, IKS only, can you describe how exactly the Istio control plane is getting um, laid out into environments? So um, at GA, uh, we, we release with Istio 111. Um, I, I would anticipate support for 112 to happen, you know, in the next month or so. Uh, we're trying to stay on on pace with how Istio releases, uh, which currently, as as this podcast is going, is one twelve is the support is the uh, uh, most recent release. Um, we're going to handle upgrades. That's one of the I think components that we bring to the table in terms of how we do upgrades, which is uh, you know through like a more of a canary up upgrade process. So when you're ready and you choose to um, deploy this latest release of Istio when we have it available. We'll actually, on clusters that have uh, uh, SMM today, we'll actually deploy a, um, uh, we'll deploy, ver both versions of Istio will be deployed. So we'd have version 111 and 112 in this example. And then you can choose um, through annotations or through, yeah, through annotations, um, which version you want to be deployed onto either, you know, per pod or per namespace. So you can move when you want to. And that kind of gives you the ability to, uh, and they and they kind of sync together to have uh, communication, so that 
you can you can roll over say a, a subset of, of your application to a new version of Istio and see is it still doing what I think it should be doing it, and if it's not roll back right canary deployment of Istio that's really the idea as for how we'll handle um, you know upstream I'm sorry uh, uh, you know AKS or EKS just a uh, uh, public cloud offerings of Kubernetes or, or just in really any third-party Kubernetes offering um, the plan is that there's going to be some limitations um, one around versioning, but two, uh, there's some things, for example, for some of them that you have to do a little more and they're not as, they're not as quite open. And, and so, uh, we'll, we'll have some limitations around which ones we do support. Uh, the initial target is really the three big clouds. So Google, Azure, and AWS, their, their offering of Kubernetes, as well as, uh, some of the on-prem offerings too, uh, to be able to provide, one cluster deployment today it's going to be a control plane and then extend or do mesh expansion to the other clusters that you may want to go to we'll have mesh expansion for multiple kubernetes clusters uh in a in a month or so it'll come out in january it's actually there today it's just kind of hidden uh but you'll be able to expand the mesh to multiple clusters and then in turn your application could expand across there and, and you can do some really interesting things with you know things like circuit breakers and 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 policy and whatnot now, now that we have both clusters and visibility. So does that include the application backup, pre-store and protection? Um, when you say the application, you mean the application running uh, like like your application or are you talking about Istio itself? Istio itself. Um, we would we would leverage just uh, whatever backup solution that you're using for your Kubernetes environment. So, you know, whatever that might be, we don't have anything specific. I mean, if there, yeah, oh, sorry, yeah, so just really quick, um, if there's any, if you if you do have something specific or, or an ask or, or or something that you're seeing, you know certainly we're open, right? Uh, we want to get feedback. We want to hear, uh, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from your customers. We want to hear your experiences so that we can make the solution better. I was just going to ask, where do folks submit their feedback? Is there a, a link, or how would you recommend they do that? Um, so there's a couple places. One is just an Intersight directly. We have a feedback uh, tool. Uh, in the help menu of Intersights, very quick, you know, a couple of sentences of what you want and what your experience has been like. That's one place that goes directly to product management, product engineering, um, in a WebEx team space, it gets emailed. So there's several, that, that notifies several people. That's probably the best way. Uh, additionally, there's some contact information uh, for the product managers themselves for, for uh, SMM on the Cisco uh, SMM page. Uh, and I, I can provide the link. So we can include in the show notes. And is there any use case publicly available to read or uh, to communicate with our customers? So uh, Service Mesh Manager is um, widely used. Service Mesh Manager was part of a, an acquisition that we got from Bonsai Cloud. Um, and it's called Bonsai Backyards. Bonsai Backyards has several uh, reference customers that we can use. Uh, additionally, you know, rolling in the features in Intersight, we've just enhanced the versioning support and then the policy support. But with with uh, uh, this being so new, we, we have, you know, a few customers that aren't quite referenceable yet. All right. This has been another great episode of Cisco Champion Radio. If you want to learn more about today's topic, we always provide useful links in the description below. You can subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on your latest releases. 
So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to click on that subscribe or follow button now. I hope you all enjoy today's episode. We'll see you uh, next Monday. Thank you so much.